0: This edition of CES Tech Talk is brought to you by Deloitte.
1: Hey, Tech Talk listeners, it's Hanish Patel from Deloitte's User Friendly, the podcast where my guests and I explore the latest trends in tech, media, and telecom and turn them into something a little more user friendly. We just launched season four and have some exciting topics coming up from connectivity trends to sports through to digital reality. If you enjoy CES Tech Talks, I highly recommend checking us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Till then, happy listening.
0: Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suites. We are the owners and producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event in the world. And all this week, we are joining you from CES 2020 in Las Vegas, talking to you from the show floor itself, conversations we're having with the media who cover CES. They get the backstage access, they get the insight, they have conversations with all the players here at CES. So we're talking to journalists today about vehicle technology. You know that CES is home to the leading auto manufacturers, some of the biggest in the world. There are also emerging trends you'll find on the show floor here, concept cars that are getting covered internationally, even before they hit the road, and also live self-driving vehicle demos at CES 2020. So today, a wide-ranging conversation about the present and the future of vehicle technology. That's all here on CES Tech Talk. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to day three of CES 2020, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are very happy you're here. Hope you're having a great show so far. I'm Tyler Suters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and producers of CES, and we are thrilled to host you here at this year's event. Uh, Today is a media roundtable. We are talking specifically about vehicle technology here at CES with an esteemed panel of of journalists from the media who cover CES, veterans of the show, and the folks who really have their fingers on the pulse, not just of CES, but various product categories between talking to the innovators, the well-known brands, the startups here. Uh, These are attendees who track the trends, not just at CES 2020, but years past, and we certainly hope for years to come. So joining me today from my far, far left, Anthony Ilio is associate editor of Innovation in Tech today. Anthony, very glad to have you with Thank us. Thank you so much. And he has a band gig coming up uh, once he leaves CES, so we're not going to tax him too far. Um, our good friend Dana Woolman, who is editor at Engadget, joins us once again. A veteran of these panels, Dana. Thanks for being here. Yeah, hi, everybody. And. Matt Swider, I haven't, I haven't seen you in three days, but it feels like four weeks since we went into each other on the show floor. Matt is managing editor of Tech Radar, and uh, is easy to spot because he's generally wearing his red kicks everywhere he goes at CES, um, knowing how many miles you put in.
2: They're, they're very comfortable. They get worn out very quickly, but uh, it's great to be here.
0: And your step channel challenge is going well.
2: I am dominating, crushing all the competition right now, thanks to the Apple Watch tracking me. Solid.
0: Uh, So we're diving in today, as I said, about vehicle tech. We are at at CES, one of the largest standalone auto shows there are. If you took just that one section, primarily North Hall and set it alone. Uh, We're honored that USA Today has named us one of the top auto shows that there there is. And from self-driving vehicles to concept cars to this year EVs, and also some of the driver assist technologies, you really find the entire ecosystem here at CES. So just a general question, starting off, and Matt, let's start with you. Um, what are you seeing? What's caught your eye in vehicle tech so far this week?
2: Well, you're absolutely right. It it has turned into a car show in that North Hall, and every year it grows and grows. Um, but it's not just the car companies; it's sometimes the technology companies that are showing concepts that will be integrated into the bmws and the mercedes-benz of the world um sony has the sony vision s concept car and it's decked out with sony displays at in every angle every time you turn around you'll see a sony display of you know different sorts um and it's a concept car that will never come to market probably but it'll probably be integrated into um, you know, other car manufacturers' technology or, or their offerings. So I found that really interesting in that it's kind of like a pitch by Sony to say, "Hey, you know, use our products. We can design really nice displays to compete with you know Tesla and other car manufacturers out there." Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that really rewarding because it's it's just the combination of you know great classic technology companies with classic car companies and they're going to come together and that's, you know, CES is a place where deals get done and you kind of see that in North Hall.
0: Yeah, what a surprise for Sony to unveil a
2: concept car, so to speak. It was a huge surprise. So that was, (laughs) you know, like, A lot of times you hear leaks or things ahead of time, and that was just something that hit us, and and it was great breaking news to kind of put on the site.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, So, Dana, I know you spent roughly the last 24 hours surfing around vehicle technology. You've been on a mission. What have you seen so far?
3: So, some of the stuff that the Engadget team is talking about is actually some of the less flashy stuff at the show. Of course, the concept cars are really, are real showstoppers. Mm -hmm. But for instance, we're talking a lot on the team about the Wallbox Quasar, it's the first consumer. Um, bi-directional EV charger. So it can charge your EV, but then the the charger can also potentially charge your home, or you can sell the energy back to the grid. Yeah. So that's not as um, flashy as, let's say, the Avatar-inspired concept car from Mercedes-Benz. Mm-hmm. Um, but we think it, uh, that technology has a lot of potential um, from a sustainability perspective. So it's stuff like that that we're really giving a double take and talking mm-hmm. a lot about.
0: How, uh, for something like that, and you compare it to a car that that may not ever hit market. I mean, you know, it's designed certainly for a powerful visual impact. But for something like the Quasar, what do you see for for the run out for something like that? Like you said, it's not flashy, but what a remarkable practical application as we move deeper and deeper into the electric vehicle uh, adoption.
3: And something like that, it's cool because it it already has some support. For instance, the Nissan Leaf supports it, and I think one other vehicle whose name I'm blanking on. But Mm. um, it already has momentum going into the show, which is exciting to think about um, versus some of the concepts which are really cool to look at but you know on some level they're never going to reach the roads at least not in anything resembling that form.
0: Mm-hmm. Still ideation. It's more fantasy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony, thanks for your patience. May we have you on for your first panel. We make you sit for 10 minutes. No, before totally we to, fine. <laughs> uh, dive in. What are you tracking so far this week?
4: Well, I mean, obviously, self-driving tech is everywhere. Yeah. You know, it, very big this year. I think actually a lot of the safety innovations have been pretty interesting. I got the opportunity to do like a little VR test that they're trying to do to improve the different safety measures on a lot of those um, self-driving cars. I think that was really 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 cool and you know something that you don't really think about a lot um, just that one of those little things that like is going to be needed the more that we integrate self-driving tech so yeah I think that was probably the most interesting so far
0: uh, what's been in in data seemed the most practical the most perhaps realistic for you in terms of time from show floor to market that you've seen in the in the vehicle tech sector <laughs>
4: That's a tough one. We're not, not going to hold you to predictions. Okay. <laughs> you might need to give me a minute on that one. You got it. You think, think it through. On that one. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I want to come back to the entire group then and, and just uh, bring up a few of the innovations we've seen and, and get your take on that. Whether it's, you know, where it is on the meter of practical and applicable now or where it turns out to, no, we'll never see it. But, boys is going to be great in some form or iteration. So, Honda unveiled a pretty cool convertible. Um, the point being there is something that there's a disc that resembles the steering wheel but you're not steer- steering with it. it's really an accelerator that you that you push and pull what's your take on that a steering wheel less self-driving vehicle
2: I, I think that's where it's headed that's where it's gonna go um... It, I, I think the laws and and people's acceptance has to catch up to the technology, so that type of stuff is already out there, and 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 it's what people will probably you know go with in the future. It's what the car manufacturers will will have is like steering you know steering wheel list cars, but you know it wrapping people's heads around that that's that's the hardest thing about it. But um, it, people say, well, what are we going to do when we aren't you know driving a car and we don't need a steering wheel and we're just sitting there and um. It, always reminded me of the um, Netflix of China's, Li Eco, and they got into the self-driving car business because the end result was you're gonna watch more Netflix, more <laughs> content, and you know that's what you're gonna do on the way to a friend's house or a party or something. So I've always found that interesting about the players that get involved into the self-driving car space. Mm-hmm. It's just a diverse uh, set of, of car manufacturers or sometimes not car manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So I, I found that really interesting. Yeah. Dana, that's where we're going?
3: Yes, I think um, we need to build out the infrastructure first to the point where um, these self-driving vehicles aren't minorities on the mm-hmm. road. Um, a self-driving vehicle might, in a vacuum, be able to make um, conscientious decisions. It's harder to account for the other human drivers on the road. So I think <laughs> we, the, the infrastructure um, and the population of self-driving vehicles needs to rise up first and, I think, hit a critical mass. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, hopefully, comes the kind of comfort that you're talking about.
0: Right. Um, one of the things, uh, Anthony, that, that, that Matt brought up is the idea of what do you do with the cabin, right, if you don't have to sit there and drive. Audi showed um, basically a, a concept of what the cabin could be. What have you seen or what, what do you envision for what the car cabin is if we're not bound to not just drive, but not bound to look out of a windshield, right? We can do anything we want in there.
4: Yeah, I, mean, I definitely see it as um, a very like digital interface. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's going to be something where people are going to be playing games. People are going to be able to, you know, serve social media while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be the future overall for it. Um, I'm really excited for that, honestly. And I, I've noticed a lot of uh, companies now trying to—I forget the exact name of the company. But it's almost a reflection um, onto your windshield that you can interface with, so you don't have to look at your phone. So you can have a map, like basically, on your windshield. I right. think that's going to be uh, pretty popular as well. So not like a, maybe not a straight-up digital setup, mm-hmm. but kind of the reflection
0: or or a bit of an augmented reality yes, element absolutely. as
4: you're in the car, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, speaking to the more practical, uh, first-time exhibitor here at CES 2020, Bridgestone. Something that yeah, I think maybe all of us, if not you, certainly know. Um, tires that either use a minimal amount of air and have sensorization on the inside of the walls, or there is an airless tire for space travel. Um, are you catching innovations in the simple everyday uses that not, you know, not the driverless big ticket horizontal element of the vehicle tech, but little applications where we can use something smart solutions immediately on the road?
2: Yeah, it's uh, something that you got to check out. I actually spotted you at the booth for uh, the Bosch virtual visor. Oh, that was that was awesome. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's that's Tyler behind there, and yeah. it was it was amazing because it is an LCD uh, transparent screen that mm-hmm. you can see through. Uh, but it will block the sunlight if it's uh, going to be either you know harmful to your perception of the road um, so that was an amazing thing. I know you got to check it out um, yeah. but you know it's something that you have to experience in order to really just grasp how how you know incredible that could be because the the visor has not Changed in like probably fifty years. Like that's been something that's a, a staple of a car. But why does it? You know, why do you have to do this? Why? Why can't you just have something that's automated and kind of blocks the sunlight if it's uh, going to be harmful to the driver?
0: Yeah. What better place for me to admit uh, than in front of hundreds of thousands of, of podcast listeners that. I've hit myself in the head I don't know how many dozens of times with the visors you try and swing it around and this eliminates it as you said entirely it shades your face and tracks your face so your eyes are are covered wherever you go Dana what about you? What have you seen?
3: Well first of all that sounds like a tall person problem
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or a big head problem Yes, Yeah
3: Um, yeah, I think to Matt's point I don't think there's much discussion about the dangers of sun glare when driving I think when we talk about the potential dangers for either a human driver or a self-driving car we talk a lot about pets jumping into the road or humans or reckless other drivers. We don't really talk about that how sun glare can mess people up, but it is a real thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's an internal problem yeah. and not an external problem of, like, a camera system detecting deer. That's very well and good, but there's there's problems inside the vehicle that can happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it speaks to the overall challenge, right, that self-driving vehicles will address, and that is we're just not that great at driving or... or you know, even more so, we're not great at paying attention. All right. right. Distracted driving covers a, a panoply of, of errors behind the wheel, and self-driving will remove that. Um, Anthony, what about you? Um, everyday innovations you've seen?
4: I was going to say the tires. I do think yeah. that's going to be yeah. the next big thing, and you know, it's not something that's going to get talked about uh, too much, but it is one of those little things that's going to be better for you know everything from gas mileage to you know it's going to be uh, more sustainable overall. So I do think that's something that's going to be like. Um, you know, really important in the next couple of years.
0: mm mm-hmm. um, Staying with you, Anthony, and I'll turn to the rest of the group, but Dana brought this up a moment ago, the idea of electrification, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of EV announcements here at CES 2020. Are we there where we're, we're crossing over from thinking as a consumer, I would like an EV into thinking, I'd like an EV at this price point, at this style level, with this, you know, amount of luxury. Oh, and I want one of these two or three brands.
4: You know, I don't think we're going to actually know for about five years. You know, I think we want to rush it so much with EVs. We just assume it's going to be out on the road like that. I think we need to give it a good five years before you really know, you know, um, where it's going to be overall. Like if it's going to be a commonplace vehicle.
3: Mm -hmm. Especially the U.S. market, I think. I would expect us to move, adapt a little more slowly mm-hmm. um, than other parts of the world.
0: Uh, delve into that a little bit, Dane. I think that you know, it's open to your interpretation of what you said so far, but w- what, what makes you um,
3: I think if say we were, we're speaking we'll to maybe direction. a fully European audience, I think you might be able to say, yes, um, your next car will be electric and it could be any number of price points and any number of aesthetic styles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're quite there in the US. I think we will be. I think we are adapting more mm-hmm. slowly.
0: If we were buying petrol by the liter, we may be in a different place rather than gas by the gallon. Not to be snide, um, Matt. What about you?
2: My barometer says if we get to this is a couple of years ago. I said when we get to a Jeep that is a plug-in hybrid that they're showing, mm-hmm. then we've made it. Yeah. Then you know when then everything can be demonstrated to be electric, and we're there at that point this year at CES, and that's a really great thing because. One day, I want to drive a Jeep Wrangler that is fully electric, and uh, we're, we're on our way now. So if they can do that with a Jeep, they can do that with any car, and really, that's one of the things that's, that has held back um, electric cars, in, in my opinion, because you know, it used to be that you had to have the Nissan LEAF. Mm-hmm. Or something of that class—a small, very compact car—you were, you know, it was narrowly tailored to a specific market. Mm-hmm. Now it's expanding to any style, any type of person, any type of person uh, that wants a, a, you know, a bigger car. It can be electric these days, and that's something that's inspiring to see on the show floor.
0: Do you think—and this is in the vein of your your response, Dana—are we? I'll say the U.S. primarily, but we as drivers in general. Have we gotten past the number we need to see to overcome range anxiety? I mean, we're, we're heading toward 300 miles without a charge. Does that seem about right?
3: I think so, at least in certain parts of the country.
0: I mm-hmm. mean when there's enough charging Absolutely. infrastructure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you won't run out? Yeah. Um, so, Anthony, Matt brings up a cool point about if I see this brand, if I see this iconic uh, uh, manufacturer that's making EVs, I'm in. Uh, the, here at CES 2020, we saw an electric Ford Mustang. Is that an example to you of an icon that, that can draw people in as a crossover?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I do think, um, and I got to check that out actually too. So
0: what'd you think, first
4: of all? I thought it looked really cool. I think it's um, going to be pretty popular, to be honest. So I think people do trust the brand, most importantly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's gonna take something like that for the next step, you know? It's it's gonna need to be those kind of brands that keep, um, innovating it and keep, you know, um, coming out with those new kind of models like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the next one? Well, let me ask just a personal question. What brand, what model do you want to see EV'd up?
4: Well, let's see. I drove a Mercury van growing up, uh, and I don't think they make those. I don't think we're going to see an electric okay. version of that. Um, personally, Honda. I think, um, I'd, I'd like to see what they, uh, what they do next, um, kind of tough to say uh i don't i don't drive that much personally yeah so that makes it a little bit more difficult but and i agree jeep i think jeep's gonna be really interesting with what mm-hmm. they do electronically mm-hmm.
2: yeah good yeah, point to me that's the hardest one to to put out there and also because, uh what, now, now delve into that why is that matt because just the, it's a
4: massive car like
2: it yeah. you know it, it is a jeep that takes up a good portion of the road you're up high it it has some weight to it and all of a sudden, that's, that's a deterring factor for people because they want to put on there that it can go 300 miles on a single charge. Yeah. You can't really do that with a Jeep. So there is going to be some range anxiety with something like that. So they have to market it in a, such a specific way. So they don't want to say 100 miles because that's just not good enough to put out there. Mm. So they have to wait to a certain point where the technology gets advanced enough where it can move a, a car like that at least... 200 miles on a single charge yeah, so yeah. you know we, we will get there the other thing is my the car that i would drive if i was not in new york city and don't use a car so much anymore <laughs> yeah. um is uh, a mini cooper i love the mini cooper convertible mm-hmm. but again it's not aerodynamic so they're really not going to put the convertible version out there mm-hmm. to be a, a hybrid or, or even an electric uh version so i'm waiting for car manufacturers to get confident enough to put something that's not aerodynamic out there and say, you know what, it still can go 300 miles on a single charge. Right,
0: right. It's a great point. Um, stepping away from the roads and into the skies a bit, major step at CES 2019 when Bell, formerly known as Bell Helicopters, showed the quadcopter, right? What looked like, you know, something the Dark Knight would would chase the Joker after. She's brilliant, shiny, black, reflective, huge rotors and you know designed at least in partnership or with an eye with Uber and looking toward a robo-taxi type approach or or with the sharing economy. Uh, At CES 2020, um, Hyundai is um, showcasing its own version of a quadcopter, but a passenger drone. Have you seen it? What do you think? How far off are we? Anthony?
4: I think that's another thing that's going to be a lot further away than we think. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the legislation for that is going to be really <laughs> interesting.
0: Separate podcast, but yes. yes. Very very
4: different <laughs> podcast. But um, I think... Maybe within the decade we'd talk, but um, mm. I think it's just—it's going to take a little bit before yeah. we're we're totally ready for that. I love that
0: you say within a decade when we are exactly nine days in for the current decade. Yeah. <laughs> so that's safe. That's safe, Dana. And
3: keep in mind that Uber and um, Hyundai have sort of two parts to this master plan. There's the flying taxi part, but then there are also the ground hubs which connect passengers with self-driving vehicles exactly. on the ground. Mm-hmm. So in a way, the challenge is twofold: it's airborne and also. Um, land-born.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think, Dana, that uh, as consumers, though, we are, if not ready now, we're rapidly becoming more and more, uh, well, I'll say ready, but it, it, it's more of an approachable concept to us year after year, of doing something like that?
3: Yeah, I, I do think for this particular concept, it helps that the companies are saying that at least in the beginning, there would be a pilot on board. And this yeah. sort of gets back to what uh-huh. Matt was saying earlier. They are saying eventually they envision these drones being completely unmanned. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think they're correct to assume that people won't be comfortable with that off the bat.
0: Sure. I think that's, and it's probably a fair assumption, right? Matt, your take.
2: Uh, I, I think it's uh, a 2030. We'll, we'll see that Uh, just to put a prediction out there. We'll see that at least tested. Um, But it it is another decade out uh, when we're just trying to get to self-driving cars that have wheels and they're on the road. Yeah. Um, But I, I definitely think it's, it has a future. Um, because hey every sci-fi movie says that it's it's going to happen um and we're at the point where we're seeing some of that we're seeing foldable phones and different things that were sci-fi predictions from back in the 80s so i i think we'll be there but it's gonna be a while and it's you know as daniel was saying it's the comfort level the comfort level is not there i don't expect to open up an app and and to be able to select that option in uber but it's (laughs) It's what's great about CES, it's that you go, come here and you can see something that's 10 years out, even 20 years out, mm-hmm. and you get to see the foundation of it and then see it grow every year. So I expect to come back to CES next year and see a, you know something of a, a, not a working prototype, but you know them having tested it in, in some sort of form out in the desert yeah. and then having yeah. a video of it. So that's every <laughs> year we'll see something uh, even more advanced uh, and that's what's great. Oh, very cool. Dana?
3: I I don't want to throw cold water in anyone's face, but I guess I would be curious... But Matt Duck. (laughs) I'd be curious to know eventually what the initial pricing will be. Uber, when it started, um, just straight up helicopter rides to JFK in New York, people were really surprised to learn how expensive it was, especially compared to a regular taxi from Mm -hmm. parts of New York City to JFK. So... I know we're not there yet where this isn't launching commercially anytime soon, but I will be mm. super curious to know about what the pricing is and where that positions is. Is it just sort of a luxury right. form of commuting right. or a yeah. tourism thing?
0: Yeah, well, and, and yeah. the JFK market has found its niche, right? Supply and demand in the free market finds finds a way. Uh, so Matt mentions in the same sentence sci fi and 80s. Um, and so bear with me. This does have a direction. Um, so if I say the movie Back to the Future you either think of you know A, time travel and we don't have a dedicated time travel marketplace or section just yet but two, you think of the flying car, right? The DeLorean Pegasus this year at CES 2020 has a quote unquote flying car so now we're here we just wrap a conversation about the idea of a quadcopter and you know taking us a flying car um, pretty cool concept, but where do you fall as as journalists who are regularly pitched and 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 you know messaged and get elevator um, speeches regularly? Where does this fall on your radar?
4: I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I mean, I think it, it, it it's a really interesting concept, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a lot of potential there, but I'm not. I, you, you never know with those kind of things. You mm-hmm. know, it it it's going to take a little innovating for that. Mm-hmm.
3: It's interesting. I mean, we were just up here yesterday talking about what it's like to cover digital health and fitness. And I think transportation in some ways is more straightforward for journalists. Um, We can report what these companies claim. And then in a way, we have to sit back and wait and see what the regulators do. And it's a little different from some of the um, medical claims we've heard where um, depending on the launch window and depending on whether doctors have to prescribe it or people buy it themselves, there could be immediate real world impacts on people's lives. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's, there's this regulatory layer here with all this transportation stuff we're talking about. We're not imagining an immediate human impact. It's just up to us to report Um, accurately what the claims are and then pay real close attention to how the regulators respond over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, let's get self-driving vehicles on the road first and then we'll think more about the skies.
2: Matt? Yeah, skeptical but hopeful. Um, But yeah, it is one step at a time. Uh, But I expect, you know, that we are going to see, it's it's funny you mentioned something about, you know, the DeLorean and, and, and time travel. There's no dedicated market to that, by the way, but I'm sure it'll be in the Northwest Hall, which doesn't exist, <laughs> but it will in the future. Yeah. And uh, but that that is something um, that we we see the concepts here, and part of our jobs is to differentiate. Say, oh, we're giving an award to a concept that we think is viable versus mm-hmm. something that isn't. Like, you can see hundreds, thousands of gadgets at CES, but our job is to kind of curate a list and say yes, this is something that you will see or no, this is kind of going to be uh, vaporware or something that is not going to ever um, come out. So that that's kind of our job to say it is something you're gonna see or it's not.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh, oh, Anthony, please. We've actually
4: um, talked about doing a piece like that uh, pretty soon. Like, stuff that we thought was going to blow up from CES that, like, didn't work out and vice versa. Stuff that we, you know, didn't have a lot of faith in that uh, ended mm-hmm. up kind of succeeding. Uh, we, we were talking about that the other day, so it's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, you got... 11 plus months to come up with it before uh before your time. advanced
4: coverage yeah i'm uh, saving that for 2030 too. thank you <laughs>
0: um it's one remarkable aspect and i don't use that term lightly about uh this particular style of podcast is we've gotten three working journalists during ces show floor hours to sit still in the same place for 30 minutes and we're especially thankful matt swider with tech radar Dana Wollman with Engadget, Anthony Ilio with Innovation in Tech Today. Just a blast to talk to you all. Thanks for your time. We really appreciate it.
4: Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. That does it for this edition of CES Tech Talk. A reminder, you can still subscribe to our podcast and catch up on what you may have missed in preparation for CES 2020. And you can also download the CES 2020 app. That way you can check out the panels, the exhibitors, the events that are taking place and have taken place here at CES 2020. And we hope you'll stay with us for our upcoming episodes as we wrap up the show. As always, none of this is possible without our true stars, our executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the very best in the business. I'm Tyler Suiters. Let's talk tech again soon. This edition of CES Tech Talk has been brought to you by Deloitte.
1: Hey, Tech Talk listeners, it's Hanish Patel from Deloitte's User-Friendly, the podcast where my guests and I explore the latest trends in tech, media, and telecom and turn them into something a little more user-friendly. We just launched season four and have some exciting topics coming up from connectivity trends to sports through to digital reality. If you enjoy CES Tech Talks, I highly recommend checking us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Till then, happy listening.